Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's Chrissy here with Charlie and Xander. And today we're going to be talking about content syndication. Um, yeah, and why people don't like it and why it's probably not a good channel, but yet everyone still continues to invest in it. And we're going to chat through maybe why you should move away from doing that. So recently, Charlie had a post on LinkedIn that got a lot of responses around content syndication. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Charlie, to set the stage. So yeah, I posted to LinkedIn, you need a question to people there. You need more MQLs before end of quarter to hit your goal. What do you do? Wrong answers only. And that last part is important. So the interesting thing was that there's a lot of like crazy ideas, you know, that no one would ever do. But the funny thing was... I don't that- think so, actually. I'll, I'll like... To be honest, a lot of people are doing the things that people said. I That's true. Say. Okay. Okay. I take that back. There was <laughs> a good amount of, yeah, there was a good amount. Of, there was some though, that's just like, you know, wild. Right. Yeah. But actually, no, you're right. A lot of them are things that actually get done, which was interesting. And a lot of them were basically along something along the lines of use content syndication, do content syndication, which is very funny to me because it's actually a way people think and what's funny about it is that everyone knows that it doesn't work but people still do it companies still do it so i thought it would be a good i pinged you know xander and, and you chrissy to say should we do a podcast on this because it's something that could be quite fun to unpack like why do people do it when everyone knows that it it's almost a joke, you know? I mean, it is a joke. I mean, there's a lot of jokes about it. So why are we doing this marketing channel when so many people think of it as just not effective? Yeah. I'll probably add on to your story and say my own personal story that the moment I started to not be comfortable with content syndication was when I was working at Marketo and we didn't do a lot of it, but we did some. I mean, it was like 13 years ago. That was like the rage was just doing content syndication, trying to do inbound leads, like get a bunch of people and, you know. And I just remember I sat next to the SDRs and I would hear them on their calls and people would just be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I did not download that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, why are you calling me? And so many times they'd be like, what is this? And they can see the source. They're like, what is content syndication? This is not working. Like these people did not download this. That's when I was like, oh, okay. Um, And we actually uh, changed our scoring model to account for that. We were brave enough and early enough to do that because it was like, okay, I think we need to just put these people into like a pending marketing kind of track and see if they actually engage with us and send us some intro content and so forth. So even back then, like I was very early on in my career, but just seeing that happen to them, like right in front of me, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't a great like way to generate demand. Yeah. I, I would say I kind of echo that because we're always, we're always trying to send content syndication over and like nothing is worse than hearing the phone call go where they're like, Hey, you know, so-and-so with such and such. And have you heard about us? We saw that you read some document, some of our, you know, documentation or some of our content. And they're like, when, who, where? 
And there's no connection. You know, they're like, well, I mean, I was over here reading some content, not necessarily making the connection of like who it's with. And that is if they were even reading the content or if they just perused or, you know, what have you. Right. But I think that there's that there's that misconception of like, this is something that we are doing to introduce our brand into the market and it's going to create a more warm lead. And that's just never the case. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My first use of contentification was back at, when we were at Jive, Chrissy. And so what was that? Like yeah. 2012, 2013? 13. 13 yeah. um, and we were trying to run what we were calling a target account play right nowadays abm abx and we had our target account list and we were working with i don't want to call out the vendor but they're they're one of the more well-known ones and we basically gave them the list and we were like we want these people we want leads from these people i think we were paying about a hundred dollars per lead 10 Um, years ago which means it was like yeah inflation (laughs) that's like two thousand dollars (laughs) now But um, but yeah, so it was it was expensive, and I think, I think it was more than a hundred. It was like it was kind actually, of actually. You're right. Also, it might have been like a hundred and fifty dollars. Because actually. also, I think we then recalculated the cost to take out a bunch of junk that like wasn't in market, and so once you did that, it ended up being like a hundred and eighty to like two hundred dollars a person. Because you're like, well, I'm only going to really consider this like so, actually just for the people that are from the accounts I really care about. Yeah, yeah, because you would scrub the list, and there'd be some people on there that weren't even from the accounts that you you sent them. Um, You know, data's hard, but the good thing was actually, I think though, we you could get a refund on those if I remember properly. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe the maybe it was somewhere between one hundred and one hundred fifty dollars a lead, and exactly the same thing happened. (laughs) SDR calls them; they have no recollection of downloading blah 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 white paper, and it was just such a, a. a disappointment but i think back then early on in my career you're still kind of testing things and you're kind of seeing most things through rose-colored spectacles and you're going and also i think just like the way that people did marketing and the goals that people had it was it was more around you know, lead generation and stuff like that but i think even then it was still quite clear that this just was not as effective as a lot of the other things that we were doing you know now fast forward to over 10 years later, companies are still doing this. And I think the performance is the same, right? Now we have a lot more data on the conversion rates for these content syndication leads all the way through the funnel to pipeline and revenue. We're able to really measure that properly and see the trends for the conversion rate and the impact on revenue for content syndication versus all of the other channels. And I think it just severely underperforms every other channel by a factor of 10 or 100 X. Like it's ridiculously low and the conversion rates are in the below 1%. And it's just very disappointing. And I think maybe that there's a an argument that they're so top of funnel, you know, give it time, uh, you know, <laughs> give this lead a couple of years, they'll be ready. But then it's like, okay, well, this whole thing's broken then. If I have to wait two years or a year for this person to be ready, but you're telling me this is a lead for someone in market, and that's why I'm paying $150 for this lead. Those two things can't both be true, right? That I should be paying for an in-market lead for $150, but it's also going to take a very long time for this person to buy or even turn into pipeline. So I think 
nowadays, I just question, is it any better than just buying a cold lead from your data provider like ZooInfo, where you just, the expectation reality equation is much better because we, we go, okay, the expectation for the cold lead is that they're cold and we might not get a response. And, but it's the person's way cheaper to, it's way cheaper to, to acquire that data. But then you're okay with having a lower conversion rate for that outbound effort. When you're paying $150 for the lead, the expectation is I should call this person and they should be ready to engage, but they're just not. So is it just better to just get leads for pennies versus hundreds of dollars and just call it quits? Probably. I mean, I would say like as far as efficiency goes and the better use of your dollars, then it's going to be exactly the same. And you're targeting your target accounts anyway. Just go through the effort of actually trying to find the people that you want to target. Because I think that's the issue too, is like the vendor will be like, okay, I can promise you the people from these accounts. But then a lot of time you get someone, you're like, oh, that's actually not really the right person we want to target. And then you end up paying for it anyway. You can kind of put restrictions on it. But the more and more restrictions you put on it, the more expensive your program is going to be. And I just feel like it's like you might as well just do your own outbound effort. I think the problem too is like, if you think about just what buyers are doing, it just doesn't make sense. And that's why to me, sometimes it even feels a bit like we talked about intent being snake oil. I mean, I feel like content syndication seems a bit like there's something sketchy going on there because like we've all been buyers of technology. How how many times have we just gone and downloaded a white paper from a vendor or a third-party publisher? Like never. I haven't. Have you guys? <laughs> no. No, I mean, if you're if you're getting that content, it's usually maybe just for higher level research or your own learning, but you're not assessing vendors by going out to a content syndication forum, right? So to make that connection like so closely of you read this document, which is very top of funnel, and now I'm going to deliver it to you like it's a even a warm lead is is not true. Right. Yeah. And even if they are, because I think some of these some of the content actually that I've seen on these these sites is actually maybe in the category of comparison of, of vendors, like the top 10 kind of vendors in this space kind of thing. But it doesn't really matter particularly what the content is if the actual end result is no pipeline and revenue and our SDRs are pissed off because every time they call someone here, they don't even remember downloading it. That's why I think they can they can sell the promise because the promise actually is a, a compelling value proposition. It's like, okay, we, you have your website. Why don't you have all these other websites with your content? But we've already got this captured audience that comes to our website all the time to educate themselves. So put your content on our website and then we'll get people to download and we'll send you their data. That sounds appealing because you, know, you want to spread your footprint out as far as possible. But what actually happens is you get a load of leads in an Excel file and none of them have heard of you and none of them want to speak to your sales team. Mm-hmm. So something is going on. I mean, I, I feel like people are really starting to understand it and really there's a lot of criticism out there now compared to maybe even just five years ago. Mm-hmm. So for people in the space of like, or right now where they're thinking about 
Like, what should they do instead? Or also, if we ha- they have all the, a bunch of these content syndication leads in their database, what should they do with them? Or how should you maybe adjust some of your model to maybe have it be a bit more realistic around how to handle these leads? Because I think the, the thing is, like, they're not sales ready, right? So that's why we always suggest right. to clients, like, don't even score them. Like, that's not even something to be scored. Like, put them into your database. Maybe definitely intend to, like, nurture them. But... Instead of content syndication, like you said, outbound is useful, Charlie, but for both of you, like what are some other things you think would be even better to help generate leads who are in market or sales ready versus trying to do content syndication? Well, I think before you maybe get to choosing the channels, unless you're super early stage and you're just experimenting with every channel, is actually look at the data to see what it's showing you, right? Looking at your funnel data to be able to see what is the highest velocity, highest converting channels and programs, looking at your multi-touch attribution data, looking at self-reported attribution data, trying to triangulate what is working and not working, and then adjust your strategy from there. If you're seeing that content syndication is a really low performer and another channel is performing better, and your assessment through gathering all of those insights is that if you stopped content syndication and reallocated the budget into higher performing channels that you would get a better return on your investment, then that going through that whole process makes a lot of sense. I don't know what specific channels it's going to tell you to, because that's going to be pretty dependent on every company and all of the different things that they are doing and all the different ways that they are operationalizing those channels. But I think going through the exercise to be able to see what is actually resulting from content syndication helps you then determine if it's a valuable channel to keep or not. Yeah. I think that one actually data point too that I think is maybe for what marketers or marketing ops folks can do to the people who maybe have the hands to the budget for picking this as a channel, like you said, is looking at the data. And I think something that has like led people astray is a lot of the time they'll look at just, you know, MQL generation just because like their funnel data isn't there they aren't able to tie it back to opportunities and pipeline. And then their model is basically trying to MQL it. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy when you're only looking at that top funnel metric of like MQL generation or lead generation. Because yeah, it's going to create MQLs. But then every time we look into the data, we set up funnels all the time, obviously. And we're able to tie that back to actual pipeline opportunities and Revenue. I think I even posted a screenshot, like I was digging into it with for a client um, with our team, and they don't even really score the content syndication leads, but still the ones that ended up, you know, showing enough activity, but they're a really good fit for the company. Like out of the thousands that they were generating, I think they got like one deal, and that's been like all time almost, or like the last like few years. And some people could even argue, like, maybe they were already going to get that deal. Like, that person probably came through the contact us form. I had to need to go and look at that because that'd be interesting. But like you said, if comparing your channels, I think is good, especially if you compare it against also like non-marketing channels, like you said, like even outbound to show to the team, hey, we're actually getting a better conversion rate just off like cold leads than even content syndication. So let's share the money. And also these other channels are are working out to be really good for us. So like, let's reinvest that money there. You can still be targeted on like LinkedIn, paid ads and things like that. And so 
yes, it might even be expensive too. And it may not show as much volume. But that's again, we're getting into this thing of like volume. Like we talk about this all the time on the podcast. Like we need to get our minds away from thinking about volume and more about quality and like what's actually going to convert. I think you actually raised a really good point on the MQL side because that was the premise of my post, right? It was like, how can you create a load of MQLs before end of quarter? Which actually the premise of the post is bad in itself, right? Because that shouldn't be the goal. And that was kind of why I posted it. Because you shouldn't just be trying to rush around and create a load of MQLs by the end of quarter to hit an arbitrary MQL goal. So you know, that layering on that as an issue and then layering on top of that, well, then let's do content syndication, just throw a load of money at a vendor to get a load of crappy leads, just shows the whole system is broken. And it starts from the goal that you have, the metric that you have is the wrong metric because it's an MQL metric. And of course, the whole premise of the post is how do you game that metric? And gaming that metric is by getting a load of constant syndication leads and just driving up that MQL number and calling it a day. When in reality, you might be getting the MQLs you need, but you're not getting the pipeline in revenue and you're upsetting sales and the whole revenue system is not working efficiently. You almost have to start at why, why, if we are really focusing our metrics on MQLs, let's fix that. And then once you do fix that and you have the, the tracking and the reporting to be able to see that full funnel all the way to revenue and you hold marketing accountable to pipeline and revenue, then you will see the change because then they'll say, oh, consensification isn't working. I thought it was working because of generating all these MQLs, but now you're holding me accountable to pipeline and revenue. It's not generating any pipeline and revenue. So now I see it's not working. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mind, mindset shift. And mm -hmm. when you're only looking at one piece of the puzzle, you're going to invest incorrectly. And I've seen that so many times. That story that you just shared, Chrissy, of, you know, digging in and actually, actually seeing like what is working within this, within this bucket of leads. It's kind of disappointing at the end of the mm -hmm. day. Like when you, when you do see that. And when I've worked with stakeholders who are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm investing X amount of dollars. Why am I not seeing a return? And then you dig into it and you realize it's just not going to work. So we're wasting mm -hmm. all of that funding. Yeah. I was actually thinking, I was like, oh, I wonder what could be some like rebuttals to this. I think the only rebuttal for certain channels that maybe you're not seeing perform that I'm okay with is like brand building activities. One, because you're just not able to like report on those at all. But like to me, the like content syndication, you can't put that into a bucket of branding just because you're getting your content out on like a third party channel and people might see it. I just don't see that as a brand activity. If anything, you're disassociating your brand from your own content or from that content. It's just like on someone else's site. And so I just don't see that as a rebuttal. And I would say like actually maybe do take some of those dollars and invest in brand building activities or get your content out into places where your buyers are like communities or do partner driven content together or just like really think about where are your buyers um, because then that will keep you top of mind and then maybe naturally they'll come to your site naturally they'll come to go, you know, look for you. I think we're marketers are under pressure to just like invest in channels that are going to give them volume, invest in channels that you can do a direct tie to their dollars. Um, and that's just like leading people astray. 
but you're just not going to see the pipeline revenue. So who cares if you're able to track it back to that MQL, you're not going to see an ROI on it anyway. So I don't see much of a miss to that. I would love to hear the brand building rebuttal, actually. Because as you're saying (laughs) that, I was thinking, could, because often we say, you don't want to be so metrics focused that you don't do brand stuff, right? Because you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to report on some of this brand building, but Mm -hmm. you need to do it anyway. Um, I would love to hear the case for content syndication. I think where maybe it breaks down is it is such a lead gen play because a lot of the time there's a a form that needs to be filled out or some kind of gate. So they're not really engaging with your brand unless they hand over their details. So really the only people engaging with your brand potentially are the ones, the the actual leads that you are getting. That's even up for debate, you know, based on what we've talked about with the salespeople calling them them not even remembering the brand. I mean, maybe that's actually the best counter argument. It's like, well, how, how come our brand's not, our brand must be being built really badly if when I call these people, they don't even know my brand. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what those vendors do, right? They kind of strip your brand from it, but get your content. Not all the time, people. though. Sometimes there not is all the time. Not all the time. content, right? To, yeah, not all the time, but a lot of the time it's a dis, it's like they're not actively going to your brand to like get that content. So I just feel like, right, that's true. It's just not like kind of correlated. One thing I'll just say maybe before we wrap up is around opt in and privacy concerns too, because I think in this culture now where people really don't like their data being shared, really want to only receive emails they're opting in to. Yeah, we've all seen the, these latest changes with Gmail, et cetera. One of the biggest things that I often hear with content syndication advocates is that, okay, get the lead and nurture them with email. And if you think about the buyer experience there, these days, that potentially could be a pretty bad buyer experience because say you're one of these people that engage with this content, I guess, unknowingly. So you've never heard of company X, and then you start getting emails from company X. You just think they're spamming you at that point. So you click the spam button, you unsubscribe, you have a negative association with them. So you actually could be doing, creating negative brand issues through this strategy, right? Because people just see you as spamming them now because you are often the tactic is to get their name and, and start emailing them a lot. So that actually could be creating a, an even worse experience. And I think to your point, Chrissy, the issue here is that I guess that is that disassociation with your brand because they're not filling out a form on your website where maybe if they mm-hmm. had, they would expect an email from you. Even if you, even if you didn't, they didn't explicitly sign up, there's still a little bit more of a connection there. So definitely want to throw that out there because it could be doing a lot more harm than good. We've talked about how it's not really doing a lot of good, but in a lot of marketing, you have to think about what is the harm that I'm doing too? You got to eliminate the downside, try and improve the upside seems like here there's quite a lot of potential downside minimal upside the equation is completely out of balance yeah so i think we talked about maybe how to work with the team to figure out like if you should de-invest in this and in concentration and probably all the reasons why it's probably not a great channel if there are companies maybe to end who have a lot of content syndication leads. Like they're, they've done past programs recently um, and they're just like sitting kind of in their, in their database. Like what would you suggest them do with those people? 
Because to me, I'm like, okay, well, first of all, I think you should rethink to make sure that any of the ones that are haven't become sales ready yet and you have a scoring model, like maybe don't take away the scoring that you gave them because I just think that they're not sales ready. But I do think that you can potentially nurture them. Yeah. And especially like think about like if you have any type of kind of welcome nurture or something like that, like put them into that because you want to like reintroduce like your brand to them. And then if they become inactive, I honestly think to your point, like it might make sense to like keep them that way, like until then they can kind of re-engage with your brand just because it's kind of like a cold lead. Just treat them like a cold lead. Like if you mm-hmm. have any type of program or the way that you handle like list purchases or something like that, I would plug content syndication leads into that. And what I don't want you, your, the team to do is be like this channel is not converting let's just continue to call down on them or do like a wake the dead campaign or do sprints against them that's not what i would do if i wanted to include what don't did because it's just a waste of time and you're just gonna annoy the SDRs, and the amount of like connects you'll get from it is gonna be like minimal so any parting words before we close i would say if you're stuck in a situation where you can't get rid of content syndication let's just say that that's that that's out there in the ether right we have we have a leader who is very very committed to to their content syndication program and we need to keep it i do think that something that can at least help is bridging the gap so if you're doing if you're doing content syndication have like a specific nurture for that content syndication program to reconnect like the reason why you're in this is because you engaged with this content here you know so that way like at least as the recipient of that email, I understand like, why am I in your database and how is this connected? Um, I'm not saying that it's going to convert any higher, but maybe it'll be less of a spam and uh, in an instant unsubscribe. And then after you've kind of bridged that gap, then put them into the nurture program where they're appropriate and kind of continue to, to make that work. I think that's kind of the best shot that you have if you are stuck in a situation where you want to make the best out of it and you know you haven't been able to either have access to the data to convince a person one way or another, or that data hasn't convinced them yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've done that in the past. So I agree. Cool. Well, I think we covered why we don't like content syndication, but based on Charlie's post, I think a lot of people don't. So maybe we've convinced you to be a hater as well. Um, Who knows? But hopefully that was useful. And yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a colleague or friend. And we'll see you next time on the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. Have a good one.